a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I don't know that I necessarily want the people to remember my sermon for uh, a week as much as I want them to uh, receive that Word of God right there. If this is a, uh, a download of information, it's important that you retain that information. Yeah. But if this is being addressed by a, a burning bush, I know that a burning bush talked to me. And I said to the guy, uh, look, at when the Bible talks about vision, it's, it's talking about the death of Jesus. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about confessing the creed. And his answer to me was, yeah, uh, I'm not using vision in the biblical sense, but rather in the business sense. <laughs> okay, then. All right. I, by the way, had no knowledge of that encounter when I posed the hypothetical. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. You know, Pastor Wolfmiller, married life has its ups and downs. Yeah? I mean... You're learning that now? Well, I mean, the, the blessings of marriage are, are, uh, are self-evident, but one of the downsides of married life is that um, well, uh, Club, Ro- Club Rogue River just isn't the same as it used to be. <laughs> you know, it used to be <laughs> I'd go there, and they had the, uh, the fiction section pushed aside, and uh, life was happening. It just doesn't have the same vibe as it did when I was a single man. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're sitting out on the patio, uh, <laughs> you know, browsing the uh, how-to section. <laughs> it's Saying, true. The music's too loud in here. <laughs> It's true. That kind of lot, kind of like, lot like you have been in the last ten years or so, thirteen, whatever. It's sixteen, been. sixteen it years. Whew. Oh, man, yeah, man, you should write a self-help book yourself. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, maybe I will. I think I'm doing the one. Uh, I got one in the works. So wait, what? What are you working on right now? The book. I mean, you mean what Facebook page am I checking right now as we talk, or no, what book no. am I working book on in general on? these days? Are you still doing? The... Oh, it's. Uh, Evangelical yeah, soup. Yeah, what's it or called? Something? It's called um it's called The Surprise of the Gospel, The Alternative to American Christianity, a self-help book by Pastor Brian Wolf. <laughs> I like it. I like the subtitle the most. <laughs> the, That's be the good. sub subtitle. Yeah. I would have three or four subtitles like the really old pilgrim books. Uh you know, they'd it'd be like uh, uh a short treatise on the exurpations and usurpations of the Pope. Also known as the Antichrist, who abides in Rome, uh, you know that you it, they they said they needed title page for a reason. They needed a whole page. <laughs> anyway, well, in today's edition of Table Talk Radio, you have some email, you have some buzzwords coming your way, you have some name that theologian and the all famous praise song cruncher. So there you go. What, what could be better than all of that? Yep. I got, I got I just thought of a buzzword for you. All right, just in time. You ready? Yes. My buzzword for you is heresy. Is that defined on our webpage or something? I don't know, but that's kind of like my buzzword. Go ahead. What really? Heresy comes from the Greek word which means basically division. And but the divisions it's talking about is not like um uh the dividing of Bronco fans from Seattle Seahawks fans. Or worse, when Someone doesn't look at someone the right way, and now they're upset about it. Yeah, that's so right. So divisive. Right. 
heresy in the church, the only thing that can, in fact, divide Christians from one another or divides Christians from Jesus is false teaching. So heresy, where it really just means division, it, it's been taken in the church to mean, um, to mean uh, false doctrine, which divides up and destroys the unity of the church. So that's mm-hmm. my buzzword for you. Nice. My theological buzzword for you is Nestorianism. And uh, Nestorianism is a Christological heresy that uh, says that Jesus was two distinct persons, a human person and a divine person. So um, uh, rather than than recognizing this uh, personal union that takes place, that there's the divine nature and the human nature within the person of Jesus, um, uh, this would divide those two things. So um, this was... This was declared to be a heresy by the um, Cal- the Council of Chalcedon, or a fifth century. All right, so got it. Nestorianism. Who, now, who is it? So either we accuse the Reformed of being Nestorian, or they accuse us of being Nestorian. I think we accuse think, them yeah. of being Nestorian, right? Because and they accuse us of being, of being Eutychian. Right, so... so so you can explain the latter. I'll explain the former. Um, okay. so, so that we would say that uh, that truth of the two natures of Christ extends uh, perpetually, that you can't, even in the ascended Lord, you can't separate these two things. So when uh, Christ says, this is my body, this is my blood, uh, you can't have uh, one nature without the other, then to say that you can receive him spiritually in communion, but not him physically, is a dividing of those two natures. Now, you explain why they accuse us of being Eutychian. So Eutychian would be, so while Nestorian is dividing the two natures, divine and human, uh, Eutychianism would be uh, commingling the two natures so that the attributes of one nature uh, be, uh, belong to the other. Uh, and that apart from the unity of person. So the, they would accuse us of being Eutychian because we teach the, the gainus myostaticum. That is that that when Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, he takes up the full use of all of his divine attributes according to the singular person, Christ, so that his human nature is everywhere. Uh, it's omnipresent. That's the everywhere one. Now, the... Um, the, the Calvinists accuse us of being Eutychian because they say that confuses the attributes that belong to each nature. They say, for example, it is part of the nature of a human being to be in one place. And to that, the Lutherans say, says who? <laughs> <laughs> in other words, if Jesus says, this is my body, then apparently you don't understand human nature. <laughs> Very good. What, how about that theological explosion to kick off Table Talk Radio? Boom! We're just, like that we're just at the buzzwords, folks. Now let's go to the emails. Dear Pastors Wolfmuller and Googlyine, spelling. They even noted that they spelled <laughs> it wrong. This is an email titled Confessional Lutheranism versus Charismatics. Remember, Lutheranism is not an ism. Wait, wait, wait. wait. That, new... that's, that's just a Pastor Wolfmuller thing. I mean, in fact, I challenge you to find anyone that was not on the Israel trip who would agree with you. Anyway. <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, it is neither right nor safe to go against conscience, <laughs> and I'm convinced about this. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Gail from St. Louis writes, I listened to a new podcast by two pastors who indicated they were upset by those confessional Lutherans who deny that tongues and miracles are still part of the church today, and they said confessional Lutheran... Uh, how, how, how do I read this? Confessional Lutheran hash, uh, uh, parentheses, ism, unparentheses, 
sorry, will soon die because people are tired of just hearing about the law and desire a more mystical experience. Ah. This is disheartening to say the least. Would you please comment on it? Thank you, Gail. <laughs> All right, so let me summarize the position of this mysterious podcast. Uh, uh, Do you know who the, this is? No, no, I have no idea. I, but I don't either. So the so the idea of the um, let's see, or is that the, the podcast? Oh yeah. Okay. So so the idea of God working in an external word, the efficacious word of God being the way that He reveals Himself and work the way that the Holy Spirit works, as Martin Luther taught in the third article of the Creed, by the way. Um, in the small catechism, the confessions of the Lutheran Church, um, yeah. uh, uh, th- that is law, but gospel is that miracles take place. Uh, Mysticism uh, mi- is miracles. And especially the mer- and tongues, tongues oh, and yeah. miracles. Tongues is gospel. God's word is, uh, the, the, the external word. word is law. Okay. That's right. Um, we live by the law, not by the, uh, uh, through the law, how does this go? The, the law comes death, the spirit comes life. That's what Paul said. So th- this would be another example about how um, people don't yet understand the, the, what the distinction between law and gospel is, um, so that the law becomes anything negative and, and the gospel becomes anything that I like. Um, not true, though. Not true. This is... This it's not? What? <laughs> the, the gospel. Right, Hold on. Me... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. So this is great. So the law equals things I don't like. <laughs> I think this is, a, th- th- this is a way to actually critique every theology. <laughs> things I don't like. And the gospel is things I like. That's how we distinguish between law and gospel. Yeah, I mean, the other way to do that, uh, another example, we, we, last week we talked about the, the red-letter Christians. So <laughs> right. Pharisee equals things I don't like. Red letters equal things I do like. Right, that's right. And I like things like uh, giving to the poor and planting trees for the environment right, right. and not killing polar bears. That's gospel. <laughs> but things, if, I d- things I don't like are like, uh, you know, capitalism and people having money and also... <laughs> Uh, having moral standards, all law. But see, I, I've law. I've noticed this, and I've actually said this on the air already. But uh, anytime on uh, this show, yeah. Well, I mean, this this was the old Wilkin thing of uh, playing the Pharisee card. So anytime you have uh, something you don't like, like if say you don't like uh, people who insist upon the purity of doctrine, well, that's what that's what the Pharisees did. <laughs> you know, so you just ascribe whatever you don't like to the work of the Pharisees. And Which is boom. crazy, because the Pharisees actually didn't do that. Right, right. I mean, they didn't care about the pure doctrine. Right. I mean, they were all about the pure law. Yeah. Now, I have a verse I'm going to read. I'm looking for it, though, so keep talking. Okay, well, we're going to actually take a commercial what? break, and then... Hmm, that'll be good. Give me some time here. Then you'll have some time to look it up. Um, and then we'll talk more about this email, and then we're going to do a little Name That Theologian. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. If you have a comment or questions, you can send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-SOLA and uh, you can get in touch with us uh, always uh, want to welcome our new listeners all of you are our new listeners uh, welcome to Table Talk Radio every single one of you that's right and <laughs> no old listeners at all we'll be right back It's not a radio show. 
It's a relationship. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. I agree with her. Hey, I'm not going to mess with her. Welcome back. I think she's got a a lot of fight left. I mean, hey, nice bump out, by the way. Renegades, you're liking this so far? Ah, Good, very nice. It's always nice when the co-host is also enjoying the program. Oh yeah. I have a little game we can play real quick and uh, continue on our discussion. This game comes from Luke. (laughs) This game is sponsored by Luke eighteen nine through uh, fourteen. This is the uh, the parable of the uh, Pharisee and the tax collector, and I just want to read what the Pharisee says. He says, uh, you know, this, you know, two men go to the temple, one to pray, or they both to pray, Pharisee and tax collector. This is what the yep, Pharisee yeah, says. He says, God, I thank you. I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but would beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What's fascinating about this little account is that the Pharisee is not taking credit for any of this, is he? Hmm. The Pharisee says, thank you, God. <laughs> thank you for empowering me to, be, to progress past extortioners, to no longer be unjust as I used to be or to be like the adulterers. Thank you, God, that you have made me better, uh, that I have experienced more of your grace than everyone else uh, would say the Pharisee. So the game is, you might be a Pharisee. (laughs) You might be a Pharisee if you've uh, ever thought that you're not as bad as you used to be. (laughs) If you're not as, as much of a sinner today, as you were yesterday or a year ago, you might be a Pharisee. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, That's right. You um, need God's mercy just a little bit less today than you did last uh, week. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. So, I mean, still, if even if you think that it, God has empowered you to be better, you're still the Pharisee of, of Luke chapter 18. Yeah. But now, in this case, the, the difference is... Uh, Lutherans who believe in miracles and speaking in tongues versus Lutherans who say that God doesn't work through miracles today. And that's I got this verse, which I, I found, and now I lost. Where? <laughs> but we can't take a two-minute commercial break because you forget. I found we're... it even before the break. Where's Ah, here. Okay, okay. This is Jesus talking. It's red letters, by the way, for those of you red-letter Bible. What are you, red-letter Christians? Red-letter Christians, yep. Um, Jesus says, the Matthew twenty four twenty four. False Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. So that so did you hear, so one of the marks of the end times will be that the false prophets are using signs and miracles to deceive the elect. Now I think this is, do signs and miracles still exist now at the end of days? Well, yes, certainly. But who does Jesus tell us that the signs and miracles belong to at the end of days? Answer the false prophets. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I have another Ooh. I have another verse sponsored by Red Letter Christians. Oh, Matthew 16:4 nice. uh, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign. Uh yeah. There you go. 
That's right. And then now, Jesus this is not to say that <laughs> this is not to say that Jesus cannot work miracles, but he has not promised to work miracles. Ah. So we do not we do not look for miracles. We do not ex- and we do not expect miracles. Nor do we put our faith in miracles when we see something that seems like a miracle. The, the this is this is the devil's trick to tempt us away from the word. It's like you know, remember how all these kids were dying and going to heaven and then coming back and telling us all about it. And everyone says, "Oh, this this strengthens my faith so much to see these things confirmed outside the scriptures." Well, then the kids show up and say, "Hey, yeah, all that stuff I said, I was just making it up." And now, what happens to your faith? Well, your faith, it was already weak because it was in the wrong thing, which is anything but the Lord's word. Now, this business of tongues, Paul says very, very clearly uh, in First Corinthians thirteen, tongues shall cease. So everyone who believes the Bible is a cessationist. They believe that tongues shall cease. The question is when? You know, when uh, are tongues to, to cease? And so we got to look at the Scriptures and see why were tongues there. And we see that whenever the Lord would call someone immediately, in other words, uh, he, they, they're called apart from the Church, just directly by the Holy Spirit, that He would give them the gift of miracles to confirm their calling, but that that ceases already in the second generation of the Church. And then it was by the laying on of hands, the office was mediated, and the pastors who were preaching were not preaching their own revealed doctrine, but rather they were preaching what the Scriptures revealed. And that's what we have now. So the problem with tongues is that people claim to have a word straight from God, and the only reason you need that is if you don't have confidence in the Scripture. Well said. In fact, I think my theologian might help with uh, what you just said. Do you want to play a little name that theologian? Oh, yeah, I do. So you get three quotes, and then you have to name a theologian. First quote is as follows. From this we see that the doctrine of our church is that of the Word of God, namely that Christ has given the office in all gifts and power procured to him just as the gospel immediately to the church as their original and primary processor, so that the church, pro, pro, oh, sorry, possessor, I meant to say, to the church, that their original and primary possessor, so that the church possesses the office, etc., not immediately, that is, Christ having granted it to certain persons in the church who would continue and administer it for the benefit of the church. The reverse is true, that the church does not have the office immediately through persons in the office. Rather, the persons in the office have uh, have the office immediately through the church as the communion of believers and saints and the body of Christ, which bears all things in itself. Oh, man. I do not know what is going on. <laughs> you better start I'm try- listening. I'm trying to concentrate here, but I don't have any... I haven't had coffee in like two hours. So now I think what this author is talking about is this distinction. Does the office of preacher come from the church or does the church come from the office of preacher? And who would argue the second way would be someone like our friends, the Catholics, (laughs) who would argue that the church is built on the office, just like they argue that the word is built on the office. But this particular theologian is arguing the opposite that the office comes from the church, and it sounds an awful lot like what Luther says when he's talking about the office of the keys in the catechism, that this is a peculiar office belonging to the church. In fact, this whole argument sounds an awful lot like um, Melanchthon in the power and primacy of the Pope, which, by the way, you know, that's this is a funny thing. 
you know, we got the 10 confessional documents, and the one of them is like this little pamphlet called The Power and Privacy of the Pope, and people hardly ever hear about it, except like at an ordination or something. And you hear some guy promise to uphold the power and primacy of the Pope, and you say, what? I thought we didn't think the Pope was powerful or primus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the treatise is actually about, that the Pope is not does not have all power and primacy in the Church, but he's uh, arguing against it. Anyway, that's what this sounds like a little bit. Uh, but I don't know. I, 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 I cannot... I think it's probably a Lutheran guy, just because you don't have that many non-Catholic people talking about the office. But wait, I'm going to listen to a couple of more... You're making your argument based upon your knowledge of my library? <laughs> <laughs> that could be true. Like, how many uh, Greek Orthodox theologians do you actually have in there? <laughs> All, right. All right, I'm ready for the second quotation. Okay, I'm going to hit pop. All right, quote number two for your consideration of name that theologian. Uh, but Paul distinguishes the church from the Jews thusly, that the church is a spiritual people, that is, a people that is distinguished from the heathen, not merely by polity and civil affairs, but that is the true people of God, regenerated in heart and born again by the Holy Spirit. Again, among the Jewish people, all those who were by nature Jews, stemming from the seed of Abraham, had besides the promise of the spiritual gifts in Christ, also many promises concerning temporal blessings, such as those of government and the like. And people of the divine promise, also the wicked among them, were called God's people. For God had separated the bodily seed of Abraham and all who were born Jews from the heathen by these very temporal promises. Yet despite these promises, the ungodly and wicked were not the true people of God, nor did they please God. Hmm. Hmm. Now that's talking about the distinction between the church and the Jews and also the church and the heathen, and also the heathen and the Jew. <laughs> I, a lot of uh, distinctions going on I, there. I, I do not, I do not know who, what the what the interest is. I cannot figure out what the kind of what this person is arguing for or against. It seems like we're in the middle of an argument. Yes, <laughs> I can, uh, true. A, lo a long <laughs> argument, maybe. Um. Uh, oh, I don't. I don't even know what to add to it. The, now, the the first quotation. Did you read it out of the same work? Same work, not the same vicinity. Okay. So, um, hmm, huh? It's weird. I think the, the that first one sounded more naturally English. This one sounded more like it might have been translated a little. Uh, Oh man, I've got no idea. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go straight to the third quotation and s see if there. You'll throw me a bone in that one. Well, I will throw you a commercial break, and you can ponder what? it during the commercial break. How many commercials do we have in here? More if we had a socialist radio, we could just have sponsors instead of commercials. <laughs> yeah, if you want to sponsor Table Talk Radio, get rid of all the commercials. <laughs> give me a call. One eight hundred three eight five Sola. One eight hundred three eight five. 7652, you're listening to everyone's favorite theological game show here on Table Talk Radio. And more, name that theologian. Right after this break, don't go away. We'll be right back. Shake, 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 shake,
Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So no, no, honey, I'm good. I could have another, but I probably should not. I got somebody at home, and if I stay, I might not leave alone. No, honey, I'm good. I could have another, but I probably should not. I gotta bid you adieu to another. I will stay true. If you log on to our website, tabletalkradio.org, on just about every single page, you'll see a little button there that says Donate. And if uh, you want to be one of the Table Talk Radio supporters, you can do that. Now, we have this fascinating... Um, <laughs> why are you laughing already? Fascinating <laughs> is a bit of a generous uh, adjective, I'd say, for anything we have, that we, we have. have. <laughs> okay, so I don't even know what you're talking about. So but... on on the homepage, you have this wonderful picture of Pastor Wolf when they were in high school. <laughs> and then below his what, feet... How did that even happen? What's... Is this golden yellow button says donate. And when, when you click on that, <laughs> you can make a one-time donation or you can join the Table Tech Radio Reformation Glee Club. This is ridiculous. This uh, is two, ridiculous. For $2 a month, you can That's be a radio clown. That's the word you were clown. looking for when you accidentally <laughs> said fantastic. <laughs> for $5 a month, you can be a Table Talk Radio pietist. $10 a month, you can be an iron listener. Or for a great $20 a month, you can be a theological bull rider. That's the, th- the Table Talk Radio Reformation Glee Club. We would appreciate your support. I could see my mom's reflection in this picture. Hey, <laughs> I can't do Taking a picture of this picture. That must- Hey, Alinda. Uh, do you mind taking a picture? <laughs> Back when Brian was curly headed. No, no, no. This this was offered to me freely. I did not have to request it. Was she I mad mean, about this whole hippie business? Maybe that was. Is it. that what she's going? Maybe that's it. Hmm. You can look at a eighteen uh, year old raised by a hippie. I mean, not a hippie. <laughs> not a hippie. <laughs> I didn't even have a shirt on. I'm just wearing an undershirt. I know. That's like it's embarrassing. Uh, senior pictures. I'll just put my letter jacket on. I don't even care. <laughs> no, no, <I'm> just... <laughs> <laughs> Not a particularly no, well-groomed no one, young man. No one's going to see this picture anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're making sure that that's actually true. True. Oh, All right. Boy. Well, you have heard two quotations from my, your mysterious theologian. My pants are tucked behind the tongue of my shoe on one leg. <laughs> oh, and you have one of those brown belts where you can puncture the little... You know, thing you don't have to have a, any belt holes. It's just I still have that. <laughs> Carrie laughs at me because I, I mean, my clothes are as old as me. You know, I never get rid of it, so I probably have these shoes around somewhere. Oh, good fun! All right, um, so here's your last quote from your theologian, and then thereafter you'll have to give us a guess. All right. From this we learn that the word is not only the seed out of which alone the members of the church are born, but also that out of which all times most surely, whatever this heavenly seed is sown, some sons of the kingdom grow forth. He himself does not know how, according to the divine, unfailing, and infallible promise. Hence, wherever this seed is sown, we indeed do not see the church, but but there we have an infallible mark that the church, a little flock of true believers and saints in Christ Jesus, a little community of the children of God, is there. Hmm. I do not know. That's Lutheran, by the way. I don't know anyone else who says that. I mean, unless they're just doing a Bible study on the text of the sower, where Jesus says this exact same thing. And they're being inconsistent with their theology, but it's only the Lutheran Church that, in fact, confesses this efficacy of the word. 
I think this has to be a Lutheran. It sound, that verse particularly, is that also same work? Mm-hmm. It sounded like an old, old English, so, so something that's older or was translated at least 50 or 60 years ago. Now, if we're talking about old Luther and stuff tra- old translated, then you're, you're, you're really limited to either Luther, but it sounds kind of like an archaic translation of that, or some of the confessions. Uh, uh, um, or one of these kind of old Missouri guys, that, like this could be, you know, this could be something like Walther in his disputation on the church or something like that. And do that you, is definitely possible. Do you want to talk a little about what that last quote was all about? So you have the, the promise of the church where God's word is found? Yeah, that's right. And it says the seed, it brings forth Christians. And so what we look for is not for Christians, but for the seed. In other words, the word preached. That was, I think, yes, uh, what that, I was saying. Exactly. That's and that's true. I mean, that is true. So um, we, we, the, Luther, the old Lutherans always talk about the mark of the church, marks of the church. So the church itself is believers in Christ, um, those who hear the Lord's voice and believe it. But belief is not a visible thing. It's uh-huh. not like... It's not like you have a like a dashboard light on your forehead, like when the gas tank is empty, it lights up. So if you believe in Jesus, you have a little light on your forehead, and if you don't, it's it's gone. You can't you can't see faith. It, it, it itself is involved in invisible things, and it itself is invisible. Where, whereas I think most people would say, okay, what is the church? It's the body of believers. Now, where are the believers? And they say, well, let's see who has the fruit. Of faith, or who has the good works, or who has right. you know. So now you're back on law. You're back on uh, looking for good works rather than the promises of God. That's right. So here's God's word. Here, here, here's the logic of it. God's word comes and it creates faith, and then faith manifests itself in fruits. So you can't see faith. So are you going to look for the thing that creates faith or the result of faith? And the the Lutheran answer is always, well, look to the thing that creates faith. Now you'll see works. You'll see Christian works, but you'll also see the good works of the hypocrite which are done in spite of not having faith. So if we want to be sure where the church is, we look for that which the Holy Spirit uses to create faith, which is the Word and baptism and the Lord's Supper. I'm going to—I had a guess, but then you—oh, yeah, I know. I was thinking that this could be some old Walther stuff, like like a—I mean, an old Missouri kind of thing. Um, And so I'm going to say— I'm going to say, and I don't know what it would be, like his, uh, some sort of debate on the church or something, but I'm going to say, uh, who is C.F.W. Walther? You are right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ba-boom! On his, is this his church and ministry? It is, but you just embarrass yourself because this is the new translation from Matthew Harrison. <laughs> oh, that guy's a bit stodgy. <laughs> True. Now, the second quote where it was talking about um, the the people of Israel, and then that God makes this distinction that it's not the uh, people who are born of the seed of Abraham, but uh, those who are believers in his promise. He was talking about the visible, invisible church. So the parallel is uh, just as you might have people who show up to the pews Sunday morning, uh, the true church is, are those who are um, uh, believers, who have faith in the promise of God. Yes. Okay. With about three and a half minutes in this segment, do you want to set in on a theologian? Do I ever? Do I ever? Oh, boy. I'm excited. All right. Here you go. Uh, oh, that's a long sentence. For, for those, some of these men, taking thought of this, repent of their wickedness and reform, 
Some, as the apostles say, despising the riches of his goodness and long-suffering, after their hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up unto themselves wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness, ju- righteous judgment of God, who will render every man according to his deeds, end quote. Nevertheless, does the patient of God still invite the wicked to repentance, even as the scourge of God educates the good to patience? And so, too, does the mercy of God embrace the good that it may cherish them as the severity of God arrests the wicked to punish them. Okay. So this uh, quote might be striving to answer the question, why hasn't God come back yet? Or why does he, you know, we always ask this question, uh, like when persecution abounds or suffering abounds, we say, you know, why doesn't the Lord just come back? And um, there's a, a few reasons, I guess, according to this quote, there's a, that the patience of the wicked, that the Lord is uh, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and so he uh, he wants the wicked to repent. And uh, the longer he waits, the um, the greater time the the wicked have to repent. Um, also, it teaches a patience uh, uh, to the saints, and so uh, the Christians have to trust all the more at the. Uh, wholly lean on the promise of Jesus all the more as they continue in this life of sin and, and evil, uh, that God will make good on his promise. Uh, it seems like there was another point or two in there about uh, the reason. It's, re- it's, it's really quite amazing. It says, so God will deal with us harshly or gently, and the evil receive both the gentleness and the harshness of mm-hmm. God to their detriment, and mm-hmm. the good receive the gentleness and harshness of God to their benefit. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's, that's good stuff. Amazing. All right, I'm ready for another quote. Oh, you are? I thought we were going to break. We've got a minute and a half here. All right. Uh, Then lastly, there's another reason why the good are afflicted with temporal calamities, the reason which Job's case exemplifies, that the human spirit may be proved, and that it may be manifest with what fortitude of pious trust and with how unmercenary a love it cleaves to God. So uh, I guess another... uh reason that this author may be giving that the uh, Christians, too, would uh, endure suffering, uh, point, pointing to Job. And I guess the uh, summation answer would be that um, this produces a greater devotion to the Lord. Um, right, but, uh, right. And this is part of a bigger argument. It says there's two reasons why God punishes. One is to is to strengthen faith, and the other is to punish sin. And the Christian says, hey, both of those are good. Right, right. And probably at the same time in many cases. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, do you have a get the last quote in in yeah, yeah, 30 sure. seconds? Here you go. Here it says, Hence the injuries you do, you will not permit to be imputed to you, but the injuries you suffer, you impute to Christianity. Depraved by good fortune and not chastened by adversity, what you desire in the restoration of a peaceful and secure state is not the tranquility of the commonwealth, but the impunity of your own vicious luxury. Whew. I'm glad we have a commercial break coming up. I can maybe <laughs> chew on that a little bit. Um, so I have had three quotes, and when we get back, I'm going to try and uh, guess who this theologian was, and then we're going to do a praise song crunch. Um, so you want to stay tuned for that. Um, boy, who could that be? Any hints? You want to give me a hint? Nope. <laughs> All He's right. old, very old. I'll have it that. Okay, sounds good. More Table Talk Radio in the Praise Sound Cruncher right after this. In your living room, let's have a house party. We don't need nobody. 
Table Talk Radio. You're laughing too, right? I know everybody says money can't buy happiness, but it can buy me a boat. It can buy me a truck to pull it. It can buy me a song of meditation on the seventh commandment. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Theologian was all about oh, suffering. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's right. There's a, there's a proverb that says, three things are mysterious and four things the way I'll never know. And it's like an eagle in the sky, a rock on the, a snake on the rock, a boat in the water, and the ways of a young man with a woman. <laughs> that's what that's that's the verse that that psalm I'm sure oh yeah or him reminded me of all right so you you he quoted for me, me a, boat. a theologian that was talking about uh Christians and suffering um and uh all the uh various aspects of that which is good I like this because most people think that we ought not suffer however Jesus is of the is of the opinion that it is the Christian's vocation to suffer um, so that is true. Um, boy, I don't know even know who to, to pin on this. There's a great line here just above that quote that I read you before, quotation says, he did not consider, talking about Scopio, who was a Roman Caesar, he did not consider that republic flourishing whose walls stand, but whose morals are in ruins. That's great. So the, so is, is the, is the country still viable when the walls of the country stand, but the morals of the country are in ruins? He continues, But the seductions of evil-minded devils had more influence with you than the precautions of prudent men. Yeah, I don't know. This sounds this sounds older. Um, I, I'm going to go. I, I just think that you're reading some Luther. I'm going to say Martin Luther. This is, dear listener, you want to guess? Yes, you are right. Augusta, the city of God. <laughs> oh. Ah, very good. He he was arguing. You know, Rome fell, and he and the and the Romans said, "Oh, it's because there's too many Christians around here." And Augustine writes this thing. Boy, is it long. Hmm. Saying, "You guys are fools. You've been worshiping the demons for no. 400 years, and now you're going to blame this on Jesus." If you would have read that part where he says, "You guys are fools," I probably would have nailed it. I know. All right, we need to get, with just eight minutes left in the show, to some praise song crunching. And uh, topping the, well, not the very top, but at the top of the CCLI chart is a song. uh, What was the name of this one? Uh, This is Amazing Grace. This is Amazing Grace. Yeah. This is amazing. What's that movie from? That's amazing. Is it Elf? Grace. That's amazing, Grace. Maybe it's Elf. I don't know. Could be. In any case. By Will Farrell. Wait, Josh Farrell. Josh Farrow, apparently. And Phil Wickham and Jeremy Riddle. Remember Jeremy Riddle? He comes up all the time when we're praise song crunching. Well, yeah, true. And I wonder if the—I think we speculated about this before. I wonder if this is a relation to uh, Table Talk Radio fan— <laughs> Can we get can we get sued for slander? <laughs> anyway, table by calling radio. someone one of our fans, they're going to take us to court and say, "I am not no. a fan. I never have been a fan." And by the way, nobody's a fan Defamation of those. Defamation of character. <laughs> anyway, 
uh, uh, Jenny Lee Riddle we interviewed about. Uh, remember the praise oh, yeah. songwriter that, that wrote the song, yeah, uh, yeah. Revelation song? I'm sure that this is, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, here is the song, This Is Amazing Grace. Of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is guy is a little too affected for me who to trust him. <laughs> with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That would be set free. He's getting up there. That's uh, that's this is a, um, this is amazing grace. Um, I'm not sure that one's gonna do well on singability, just because those are <laughs> upstairs. I'll tell you what. Hey, hey, I can reach it now. Here's verse two. <laughs> Who brings our chaos back into order? Some people like to pronounce that word chaos. Not you though. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the King of Glory? the king above all kings, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. That doesn't exactly rhyme, but it's pretty close. The king of glory, the king above all kings. Worthy is the lamb who is slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who is slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Hmm. Well, let's crunch it. All right, and uh, to do this, we go through our uh, super secret praise song cruncher, which is uh, available only. Yeah, we've to... removed it from the website in order in order to avoid people getting their hands on it. That's good marketing strategy. <laughs> that is <laughs> makes people want it more. If you're on the inside. The hungrier you, can... you are, the better it tastes. <laughs> How do I sign on to this super secret website to get access to that stuff? That's so true. Oh, you wish so, you knew. So you can't make a you can't make a user. So far, we determined our website has these Why flaws. Just, you can't make a username, and you can't get the phrase on Cruncher. But so far, Why don't we just take take our website down and and just pretend like it's there? I think it's, and then everyone will want to see it even more. <laughs> It's working with it's the like phrase the song, the All right. to get. I remember this, though. The first question is, Jesus, is Jesus mentioned? If yes, is it name or concept? Indeed, I found it here. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. King of glory, king of kings, that's talking about Jesus. It says, uh, you bear my cross. You lay down your life. That's Jesus. Yep. Nice. Okay, now what about a mystical form? This is when we're looking at sentences, uh, fragments, um, impressions, assertions, repetition, this kind of thing. I think this is mostly sentences. Let's. Uh, well, it is sentence fragments, but they're long enough sentence fragments that they actually make some sense. Who breaks <laughs> nice. the power of sin and darkness, whose love 
is mighty. I think this is probably wrong. By the way, I think this is a typo. Who, who's, who, wait, wait, who break, who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? Huh. The King of huh. Glory, the King of all, above all kings. You need a little phrase in there that says like, "That's who." <laughs> to make it. <laughs> but it. it's enough of a long sentence fragment that you know what it's, what it's talking That's about. That's nice. If you who, get a sentence fragment, it's long enough to actually give you something. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The king of glory, the king above all kings. That's who. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what about the question of mystical content? This is when we're looking about what the song is actually about. Is it about... Uh, me? Is it about uh, seeing or feeling or touching God or just a pure romanticism? Or this, Here's a good one. It's like loss of self, that my identity is consumed or absorbed <laughs> by the divinity of God. Uh, how does this song Someone fare? Someone was fussing about this. I think it's fairly... You know, it's, a, it's a series of questions. You know, Who breaks the power of sin? Who shakes the whole earth? Who brings chaos... Sorry. Chaos back into order... Who rules the nations? Answer, Jesus. That's fairly objective. Now, the chorus in the middle is really quite interesting because the verses, the versi, the versim, are talking about Jesus and his power, but the chorus is talking about Jesus and his mercy. It's really interesting. The complexities of this hymn are starting to come out the more I look at it here. And the bridge is what bridges it, in fact, all together. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. So it's connecting the the death and the resurrection of Jesus to his uh, putting order in my chaos and so forth. In your what? Mm. Chaos. Sorry. I forgot. Uh, When you move along, what about law gospel in this song? Uh, there is this, you would take my place and bear my cross. Now, that is not exactly, it's that I would be set free. So that is the the, the picture of bondage and freedom, which is law and gospel. Uh, I mean, it's in, the, it's, in the, it's in the wheelhouse of law and gospel. It's not sin and forgiveness, but it's pretty close. And it can be understood right, uh, bondage and freedom. Uh, it doesn't get the whole picture, but it gets a part of the picture, an important part of the picture of what the gospel, in fact, is. What about other false teaching in the song? Mm-hmm. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? I actually don't. I don't have any idea what that's talking about. But you know, you don't want the common profane thunder. You want the <laughs> holy thunder. <laughs> that's right. You could have just common and clean thunder, and then <laughs> uh, let's see. Who rules the nation? Truth shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. I mean, this is just kind of goofy praise song filler stuff. The chorus is where the money is, and it's pretty good. You would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. We should just sing the chorus uh, ten times, although that's probably what they do. All right, so I need a verdict. Does this song pass? <sighs> I don't know. It doesn't. The, the verses are not enough to make it pass, but this is not, neither does it fail. This is one for the car with the kids, I'd say. All right, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the tax returns I have to file for my new DJ business. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Get that? Table Talk yeah, Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor you? before listening to Table gotta, Talk Radio. I wonder if I have to include use a selfie stick. <laughs> I have to claim that on my tax return. What's it worth to In-kind payments or something like that. Thousands of dollars, I'm sure. your backseat. Claustrophobia. That's a picture. Find the capitalist on Twitter and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.